How are we doing, Collective listeners? On today's episode of The Collective, we have a very good friend of mine from college. His name is Najib Emanuel. He is currently working as an assistant athletic trainer with FIU, uh, specifically with men's soccer. I want to bring Najib on, just like our theme of last episode was reaching out to other members of the performance staff, understanding their perspective and understanding how to best work with them. I think Najib is an awesome man. He keeps it real. He really lets you in on what he's thinking. And I think a lot of people can resonate with the things that he says in this episode. So I hope you all enjoy. What's going on, collective listeners? On today's episode of the Samson Strength Coach Collective, we have a very good friend of mine. He and I went to school together, undergrad at Temple University. I'll let him get into all that, uh, but we are welcoming on Najib Emanuel. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Oh, oh my goodness. It was my honor. We, uh, As the listeners know, last week we had on Tess McCain, the dietitian uh, from Appalachian State, and we talked about kind of expanding our horizons a little bit more, talking to some more athletic trainers as well. You were the first one that popped into my mind, man. Oh, that's, that's an honor, really. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, man, you, the listeners will get to know you, but you're an infectious dude, fantastic personality. So, uh, you know, I thought you would be perfect to talk to, um, definitely about the relationship between strength and conditioning and athletic training. Uh, I think I think they're going to really love it. Okay, well, I'm, I'm down. Let's let's get this talk started. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> so, give us a little bit about your background. Tell us about your schooling, where you uh, where you've been, and then where you're at now. Okay, so I would say probably my journey with athletic training started um, basically when I was a kid. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I ran track in school, probably starting in middle school. Uh, I did cross country in the fall, and I did track for the winter and spring. Um, And I wanted to run collegiately, but I just wasn't sure that, okay, how could I do it? So I had a cousin that went to Temple at the time, and she convinced me to go. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to try to walk into the team. But then the year I got there, they had cut they had cut a whole bunch of programs the year we got there. So I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, I was thinking about doing PT. But then I started hearing more about athletic training. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. Uh, and I think what makes, I think, your career is probably like the internships or the preceptors you have like before you fully get into it. So I think I got really lucky. Uh, my first one was Temple Football. Uh, I did one at the Shipley School. Uh, I did one at Chestnut Hill College um, on the main. I think that's, I forget where that is in Philly. It's like outside of Philly. but um, Just about 30 minutes outside, yeah. And I did UPenn. I did UPenn track and field. And then after that, as I graduated from uh, Temple with my athletic training degree, because I got my bachelor's, and that's right before everybody started switching to a master's. Uh, so I got really lucky there. I went back home for a little bit. I was looking for a job, uh, and I got a. I became a resident at Howard University. Uh, I was there for two years. After that, I moved on to the XFL. Um, I was working for the DC Defenders for a couple of months right before COVID, and then we took that big hit. And then I wasn't working for. That'd be like a year and change. Uh, and I was down here and I was like, okay, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I started looking into real estate because I was like, all right, nothing's opening up for me. Uh, and then I had a friend that worked at FIU and he was telling me like, oh, why don't you come work for the soccer team? And I was like, oh, you know, I've done soccer before, but you know, I'm kind of just burnt out. Like I'm done with it. 
Uh, he's like, no, just give it a chance. Just give him a chance. So he's one of those people that just stayed on me all week. He was like, come on, come on, just apply. And I was like, fine, I'll apply. I applied. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'll give this probably a season. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, I tried to give my best effort. And fast forward three years, I've been here. <laughs> so it's been, it's, it's been good. You've been extremely successful too. We have. Like last year, we made to C16. Um, the year before that, the round of 32. So we're hoping to win the whole thing this year. Oh man, that'd be awesome. And I love, I love keeping up with you guys. I mean, the whole energy of the team and the coaching staff I've seen, and even the transition that you guys have had into a new coaching staff, I still see that positive energy coming out, man. It, it looks fantastic. So, uh, you know, one thing that I really appreciate you being open about and being honest about, uh, because that's kind of the goal of this podcast, right? Is to talk about stuff that people don't really want to talk about, like about that burnout, you know, about being like, I'm done. Like in, in really kind of understanding you got uh, dealt with a really tough situation going into the XFL, a brand new league, not established enough, like something like the NFL where COVID can kind of hit you guys. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, uh, able to still maintain salaries, do everything like these established leagues, you know, so it, it ends up being a different world. You know, what, what was that process like? You know, what were the main things that kind of made you fall back in love with athletic training? I would say the relationship I have with the people here. Uh, I think with athletic trainers, uh, and I think one big thing about our profession is how valued we are. Uh, some places get it right, like FIU, and then other places don't. So like, throughout my whole career, and I've seen my mentors, and then working professionally myself, uh, just how devalued we are. Even though we have a really important job, people don't really see it or they see it and they just don't care. So it was just like, okay, like, I don't know how many places I have to go to get it right. It's not right anywhere. It's just not happening for me. Uh, I'm not seeing where I can change anything. Uh, and it's just, I'm just tired. It just got to a point where I'm just tired of fighting the same fight everywhere I go, you know, and there's mm -hmm. no place that I don't see it changing. Um, that was my mentality for a while until um, yeah. I came here. Uh, so I would say like FIU, one thing I like about here is like, I work with people and I've worked with coaches that it's like working with your friends. Like I have mm. a great relationship with the coaches I work with. I have a great relationship with the athletes I have. Um, and I've always had a really good relationship with my athletes, but, um, I would say more so for this team and I've worked with a couple of different ones. Um, it's more so like a family, you know, like my family away from home. That's so that's so big and that's so massive to actually have. Right. Because like you said, it's away from home, you know, like I've got my family, I've got my parents and everything. But like I spend so much time at work and athletic trainers are the ones who are going to be there the longest, because even if we have lifts, you're going to have to be there. Right. With practices, you'll be there. Then we have treatments after practices. So you guys usually typically spend the most man hours there. So that's got to be key. Yes. Um, I think that's another part people don't see. Uh, you're there before training, you're there after training. Um, if the day is longer or if your uh, injury report is looking real hefty at the time, you have to uh, make accommodations and make it work so those players can get back on the field, especially if you're in season. Um, you may have a little bit more leeway out of season, uh, but definitely in season and how good we are. Uh, it's a really big part of getting those players back on the field, being effective and efficient. And so, you know, you speak about value, which I totally understand, but like to 
to you, what does that value look like? What what makes it FIU so special besides the family aspect? What are like the specific actions or specific things that you see that make you feel that value? I will say one thing I never got uh, other places as opposed to here. I hear thank you all the time. And it may seem small. I hear thank you all the time. I hear please. Uh, I'll have I'll have players that come in here. I'm like, hey, do you need anything? And they're like, oh, no, I just wanted to come say hello. I haven't seen you in a while. I'm just like, okay. Like, it's, it, it seems little, but it, it, it's really big. You know what I mean? Or it going to places so and the team is eating and they also uh, buy you food as well. I understand that's – it doesn't seem big, but that's a really big thing. You're not forgotten like you're a part of the team. Or they mm. give you clothes or you're part of the clothing orders, stuff like that. You know, and I know a couple of athletic trainers listening will understand because there's a lot of teams you work with that will just give you a T-shirt. And they'll be like, hey, you're not wearing a – the school colors and i'm like well i don't have anything to wear <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, I, I physically can't do this much laundry <laughs> yeah so it's it, it's stuff like that or like my coach and he doesn't have to do it but he'll be like hey you know we're very uh blessed to have you with us and he'll say in front of the whole team and he does it publicly and privately too um and i don't ask him to do that and you know me i, I would never ask anybody to do that and it, for me i'd rather sit in the background but he he publicizes and puts me on center stage a lot, which I appreciate, even though I don't. No, have- I, yeah, exactly. I think that's so important, right? Even if you are a person who kind of likes to be in the background and, you know, like I don't like being in the videos, like the stereotypical strength coach, like screaming and everything like that, you know, but it's nice <laughs> to see yourself in a picture every once in a it while, is. you know, it is. It honestly is. Um, and even I think last year when we won our regular season, I have a picture of the guys that like literally throwing me in the air, and I'm like, uh, you know, you guys don't have to do this. I'm like, no, like we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Like those things, you know, those things matter. That's awesome. I'm I'm really happy to hear that's the spot that you're in right now because, I mean, you know, we talk about a lot about in social media and different aspects when I have conversations with different strength coaches and, and athletic trainers, like so many good people are getting lost in this profession because of that lack of value, you know, uh, because they don't feel like they necessarily belong to the part of the family. And it can be tough too, like coaching staffs, you know, I got super lucky with the one I'm with now. They've been together for five years before I came in, you know, so really like you, like we even been talking about a little bit beforehand sometimes things can get a little clicky you know so they could have decided to not really involve me in that group and and they haven't and they made me feel valued and made me feel welcomed and it makes a world of difference and it makes you a better coach and a better athletic trainer and it makes you more motivated to do stuff for the actual team you know what i mean for sure yeah you have your job but then do you like what you do or is it your passion or are you just doing it for a check because if you're doing it for a check as opposed to you know you loving what you do you're like okay i'm here from eight to four, um, and this can get done tomorrow, as opposed to, okay, now I'm doing this now, I'd rather get it done now, so I don't have to deal with it tomorrow, and I don't mind doing it now, because, you know, I like being at work, I like doing what I'm doing, so it doesn't even feel like work. No, absolutely. Like, you know, I'll, I'll be here late tonight, but it's because I'm testing some new force plates that we got, which is just exactly. like, cool. and it's, it's nice know? to say, like, listen, like, I enjoy what I do, I don't mind doing that, because I truly enjoy it. For sure, oh, and no. that's just so key. I get it. No, I like, and I'm happy I found it here. You know, yeah, absolutely. I was ready to give up on athletic training, like in its entirety, because I'm just like, okay, the environment for us as professionals, especially in our profession, can be very toxic. And I've been places where it's been really toxic. 
So, well, I'm, I'm again, I'm very happy you found the situation now. The grass I mean, is green I, on the other side. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Don't you know? Always give that other opportunity. You know, always look for that extra one more. You know, just to make sure. And I'm glad you did because now you got to fall back in love with it. Yes, I, and it was, and I think I need that time, especially during COVID. I need that big break. And I look back on it now and I'm just like, okay, like I'm mad I couldn't find a job and I was frustrated. But then getting back into it, if I didn't have that break, um, I wouldn't have been able to recover from the burnout that I was feeling. You know, mm. even though it, I felt like it took a while, it took a long time. I felt like um, now being where I am in my career, it was just the perfect amount of time that I needed to kind of just fall back in love with it and get back into like the swing of things. That's excellent. It sounds like you really fell into the perfect situation then. Yes. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> there you go. Couldn't <laughs> say it better myself. So, okay. So we talk about value uh, from a coaching staff standpoint, from a player standpoint, you know, and this is obviously a training conditioning podcast. So I guess my question is, you know, what does the ideal strength and conditioning and athletic trainer relationship look like? And then what does that, you know, what are some things that strength coaches can do to make you feel valued as well? I would say probably constant communication. And I'm lucky to work with one now. His name is Troy Johnson, um, and he's our strength coach. Uh, even more so, like, what am I trying to say? Uh, we're working on an athlete of mine that's injured right now. Uh, he's coming back from injury. Uh, and most of my players, as you know, are an American. So he was home doing his rehab with his physio, and then he came back. Um, he has a plan. I sat down with Troy and the athlete and I'm like, okay, this is the timeline. This is when we're trying to make, get you back by. You're going to do your running progression with me on Tuesday and Thursdays. And you're gonna work with Troy on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then we have like a Google Drive where he'll put on Mondays what he's done. And then on Tuesday I put, okay, I did this treatment. Uh, this is the type of running progression that we did. Uh, maybe I worked more so on plyometric training this day. Uh, and then the next day he'll do his workout. Uh, and then it's just constant communication back and forth. Cause if a strength coach and an athletic trainer aren't communicating, we could be doing two opposite things and putting the athletes more at risk for injury, you know? Absolutely. I mean, in that communication, I think is just so valuable. I think it's like something that is, you know, most people would say is a given, right? Obviously you need to communicate, but at the same time, like, I think it's so interesting when I have a good relationship with the athletic trainer, we can look at things from a different perspective. And they also have that different window as well too, right? They have a different background, a different lens and a way to look on things. And I do as well. So I can bring some different experiences and then we can really kind of create a multifaceted plan. That's not just stuck in one kind of uh, philosophy or one kind of mindset. Agreed. And um, what the, like the knowledge I'm able to get from you guys is like very like, I appreciate it a lot because a lot of things that you use, like force plates, Nord boards, like the technology you're using, and if you could teach it to me, like, okay, teach me what this means or what this data means, I could adjust my rehab so I could be addressing the deficiencies that you're finding on these tests. As And you're doing the same thing in the weight room as well. 
you know for for sure for sure absolutely and the, and then that's you know a lot of my testing is preventative you know to understand okay are there massive asymmetries that we're seeing you know and then also return to play because that that's where i really see the most benefit from a sports technology or sports science standpoint is uh, a return to play and understanding are we getting back to our normative uh, data and back to our baseline because ultimately that's where we can have that conversation and not even just getting back, but the points that get you back and to keep you from getting injured again, you know, especially the same injury, because if it keeps happening over and over again, there's something that we're missing. No, for and sure. That's not happening. or That's not occurring that we need to fix. No, absolutely. I think that's, that's a massive point right there. I appreciate that. No. And so, you know, kind of, can you kind of walk me through your athletic training philosophy as a whole? What are your key points? You know, how do you approach the athletic training room? I would say it's more so collaborative, right? I'm not uh, a clinician that's really stuck in my ways. Uh, so, like I said, most of my team, I would say probably 90% of my team are international. So, some of the medicine there in their country may be different here. So, I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. And, like, hey, you know, I actually was working with this person and, you know, this made me feel better. Like, I'm open to ideas. But also, I'm like, okay, I know what's best for you as well. Because, yeah, I'm gonna let. I'm gonna collaborate with you. I'm gonna work with you, but also know that I have the degree. <laughs> I have the knowledge to help you. You know, and sometimes uh, one big aspect about sports medicine is keeping them from hurting themselves. So they may think one thing is good for them when it may not actually be. Uh, and also explaining yourself too. Uh, I don't think I'm the type of clinician that's gonna be like, oh, I don't have to answer to you. Like, no, if I'm gonna do something to you, I'm gonna explain. You ask me why. I better be able to explain it. For sure. I better be able to explain it. Or if I can't explain it, you better not let me touch you. Exactly. Exactly it. Right. And that's that's why I talk about my, my mentor. I had him on the podcast a couple uh, weeks ago. Dan Worth, his big thing when we were programming and first learning how to create print programs was, okay, if you can't sit in a room full of 100 people and defend it to each one of these people, why it should be in the program? It shouldn't be in your program. I agree. I agree. And I mean, that takes it to another level with what you're doing as well, too, because I mean, this is, you know, pure medical uh, treatment that you're giving these people. So, I mean, that is more, on a more serious level to me. And also, like they're putting a lot of these guys, some of them don't want to be professional athletes, but a lot of them, this is their life and this is what they want to do long term. So, like you're investing in your body because it's, it's, it's your product. It's what you're selling to teams in order to play. So my job is to make sure that product is the best it can be to perform at its best. I mean, especially from a soccer standpoint as well, too. I feel like, you know, football can be kind of selective. You know, it's either it's really kind of NFL or bust the, you know, basketball. There's international opportunities, but not nearly as much as there is soccer. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's the sport that has the most potential for these people to continue on and play professional. Oh, I agree. There's different leagues in many different countries, many different tiers. Um, and you can sometimes it's harder to work your way from one tier to the next. But I feel like you can fall in many different avenues, uh, depending on how good you are, um, on how you communicate, because we all know sports. Yeah. Um, uh, part of it is your athletic ability, but the other half is how to sell yourself. You have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to build relationships uh, and network. Networking in any field is the biggest thing. 
Absolutely. And it's crazy to think about it, but you do have to network as an athlete. You know, it's not uh, just for strength coaches and athletic trainers. So people are willing to help you more if they like you. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'll tell you, you're less likely to get cut if people like you. Yes. <laughs> if you're a good if person. If you're likable, if you're a leader, if you bring, you may not be the best guy on the field, but if you bring something else to the team, um, it's harder for them to cut you down the line. If it's like, okay, you're just someone that can run and you don't provide anything else, I can find anybody that could do that. I have no, five other when I get rid of you, like there's five other people that could do that and probably run just as fast or faster. Oh, exactly. And and they're lining up at the door to, for that opportunity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so how do you approach those conversations when, you know, especially with international students of understanding, okay, this medicine may be something they do at home, but you kind of want to still make sure they get the highest quality care. I will say what the athletes here, what they teach me is how to, I think, become a better teacher as opposed to explaining everything, bringing it down to its uh, most common denominator and kind of just being like, okay, I'm doing this because of A, B, C, and D. Um, and explaining it because a lot of their first languages aren't English. So I try to make sure, one, I don't speak too fast. Two, um, I'm speaking clear enough so they can understand me. And three, uh, I try to make sure they do understand me by the time they, they walk there. Because a lot of times with international students, um, you have some that will talk to you, even doesn't matter how bad their English is and the ones that are really quiet because uh, they're nervous and they're kind of embarrassed. So you may talk to them and they may not have understood what you said, but they'll look at you and they'll nod. And be like, yeah, <laughs> yep. they will saying, but you know, I'm just going to say, yeah, like, but no, I want to make sure you understood what I said. So I know, okay, I'm doing this to you because you have this injury and this will help you this way because I'm doing this and it does this and i mean and the, that uh, okay you know this guy developed fantastic buy-in i mean i'm sure and then once they kind of get past that barrier and also understand they have somebody on the team who's not gonna talk to them like on the third grade level just because it's not their first language of course yes of course like if you like respect goes both ways you know i can't expect them to respect me if i don't respect them mm. you know like, you're dropping a lot of philosophical things in here. I like, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say, you it's say, a two-way street. It's, it's so true. Street. I mean, but those, those uh, to me, those are the people who are the most successful within any sport performance field. You know, is understanding that it is a give and take and there is communication. If it's my way or the highway, it's usually not going to be successful. Um, you know, it may work for a while. You, you may even end up winning a national championship. But when we talk about dynasties and you look at the people who have been successful over and over and over again, typically it's a lot more of that philosophy of meeting people halfway. Yes, I agree. And especially sports medicine, medicine is forever changing, right? So you have to be able to change with the times, especially strength and conditioning. There's new stuff coming out every day. If I can't adjust, you'll never be good at what you do, especially in this line of business, I think. Oh, absolutely. You, you, I don't know. I didn't even send you questions ahead of time or anything, but you just gave me the absolute best alley-oop uh, into my next question because you're always posting on Instagram and, and giving valuable information about the things that you're trying to do uh, in the athletic training room. What are some things that you kind of have your eyes on in the field of athletic training, whether it be any new technologies, modalities, anything that you are really excited that's up and coming? That's up and coming right now. Uh, I will say I'm, I'm kind of just happy how the profession has kind of grown a little bit. Like, cause on the side I do uh, medical spotting for the MLS. So they send me a monitor 
and it's like like 20 different angles and they give me a game to cover uh and i'm watching the game in, in real time uh and i'm connected with what we call the vmd but a doctor uh and i have a quad that's up that uh they'll see me move on their screen or and i'm looking more so for concussion injuries so if let's say okay two players go up uh for a header and it's a head-to-head collision you see a guy grab their head um they're like hey um i just seen this or i can communicate with them like oh i just i just saw that let me play it back for you it was a head-to-head collision uh he like he was clutching his head he fell on the floor a little bit watch out for uh number 24 you know and when we were in school i don't even think they had that so and i think yeah uh, they reached out to me for that position i think i saw on linkedin they're like hey would you be interested in this and i was like sure why not give it a try and i find it really impressive like no, that's, that is incredible so, i mean it's a i mean you know obviously that'll take a lot of funding and that'll be more for professional leagues for now but if you think about uh how technology typically works usually somebody invents it and then other people copy it and find a cheaper way to do it yeah. so that it becomes more mass appeal I know we also do it at FIU. For FIU football, we also do it. Like when they're having football games here, you usually have somebody on staff that's um, watching the game, and then we'll have we'll be connected with another athletic trainer on the field, and we're like, "Hey, watch out for you know that old lineman or our receiver. We saw that play, and it looked pretty bad." So, really, so whatever. We're basically, your eyes. We're basically your eyes from afar. That's incredible. I didn't even know that was really being applied to American football at all. Yeah, I know we do it definitely for our football team here. Uh, I'm not sure about other schools, but I know it's been an opportunity that like we'll present that's presented to us in the fall. So if anybody's free, like we'll put in our like group chat for work. Hey, we need somebody to cover this game for this weekend. Uh, is anybody free? I mean, and that's... then someone go and and do it. I can never do it because like soccer season, football season is the same season but uh i've been doing it for the mls and it's been pretty cool like it's it's interesting to watch and so what does that what's that protocol look like is that just like a that on-field doctor will then go do a check-in um with that player so we have something called mandatory signs and discretionary signs discretionary signs um more so the doctor will kind of keep an eye out yeah mandatory signs okay if the player went and fainted then he has to go on the field with the athletic training staff and go and look at the player. And before he goes in, he has to do something called an exertional challenge. Uh, they run him through a series of tests before he could step on the field. Or if he's cleared, or if he's not cleared, then they'll keep him out. They'll communicate with me. Hey, um, he did the exertional challenge. He was good to go back on the field. Or uh, he wasn't really good at the exertional challenge. We're keeping him out. And then at the end of every game, I do like a report. So I log it for the league and I submit it. That's, I mean, that's incredible. I really, I, I've only been exposed to it because I follow you on Instagram. So I see you post uh, every once in a while, but I mean, that's fantastic. I didn't know that that was really getting as expanded as it is. No, it is. It's a lot of, and at first when they were trading and everything, I was like very intimidated. I was like, wow, this is a lot of info, a lot of stuff I need to learn. Um, my first one or two games were shaky, just trying to get into the flow of things. But when you know what to look out for, when you get used to looking at several different camera angles at one time, it's you just it kind of just flows really. It, it's I wouldn't say easy because it's definitely not an easy job, but um, you get accustomed. You get accustomed to it. No, certainly. I mean, and I mean that's just ultimately one of the biggest things that's for the athlete's safety as well too. 
you know, I, 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 I was a victim of multiple concussions. And on top of that, I wasn't in the right mind in those moments because I would say, uh, I'm good to play. You know, I, I would I, I would avoid our athletic trainer and not try to make and, eye contact with them. An athlete will always tell you that, like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm good to play. And it's like, no, sit, sit down. Like, no. even I had one that I had today. He was like, I'm good. I said, stop talking and let me do the evaluation. <laughs> that's how it's supposed to be though i mean that's what you're there for is ultimately for their protection yes like i said protecting them from themselves oh my goodness and that's you know and that's the fun piece too is that on the opposite side of the strength and conditioning usually i get the complaints about going heavier <laughs> or doing anything more challenging uh, yeah it's but also understand okay athletic training philosophy and strength and conditioning philosophy we work together well and we mesh very well, but then the philosophies can sometimes be a little bit different depending on who you're working with. Certainly. You know, that's go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, I know some strength coaches like with my players, they'll be like, yeah, you know, drink creatine. I'm like a midfielder. That's, I don't know, one, 150 soaking with does not need to take creatine. He's not a football player. <laughs> No, but yeah, I need him to build. I was like, he doesn't need to build much muscle. Like, he still needs to move. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'll never forget my first year working with basketball. I, you know, I was coming from that football philosophy of being as strong and as big as possible, and then you well, know, you have, to, you have to change it. Honestly, I will say, working with soccer, one of the biggest changes, because um, I worked in football as well. I was working with Temple football, and I forgot to mention, I did a summer internship with uh, the Vikings. Uh, I would say soccer players, especially mine, I have to stop them from doing so much. They're like, hey, what else can I do? Sometimes the best thing you could do is go home and sleep. Absolutely. As opposed to a football player, a football player is not going to really, – they'll do extra stuff, some of them. And other ones are like, oh, you know, I'm done with practice. I'm going to eat as much as I can. You have to beg them to come to the training room. Like, my players are in here every day, every day, the whole team. And some of them just like, you know, you don't need anything. You don't need to be in here. Just go home, take a nap. Like eat, and like okay, I need to do something. Like no, you don't. <laughs> like sometimes less is more, and I tell them that all the time. Or I got I got athletes coming in and asking me, uh, can I wake up at six to come in for a recovery session? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, know, sleep. Like, like, sleep. You need the sleep. recovery session. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> sleep. Those two extra hours on your off day do not come early. Those are gonna be crucial for you. So yes. I, okay, and so I, I guess I'm curious about this too because. I, I, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I do feel like there's an unnecessary feud sometimes between strength coaches and athletic trainers, especially uh, my end. I, I see the with the movements and move towards a medical model, uh, you know, within schools. A lot of times the intention behind it is just to make sure the safety of the athlete is number one. Uh, but then you hear about athletic trainers having to improve workouts in some of those scenarios or doctors having to approve workouts when it's not necessarily their specialty. And then you also kind of see some strength coaches kind of buck back and try to do a lot of prehab work and a lot of different athletic training modalities uh, within the weight room itself. You know, have you seen any of this, you know, and if you do see it, uh, what would your kind of reaction be to it? And what would be a kind of good, happy medium? Oh, I would, I've never seen it because I feel like, a lot of things, and I thank God in my career that I've been able to avoid some of, like, just, I don't want to say nonsense, but some of the nonsense that goes on in our field. Uh, and, yeah, I've run into some of it, but then, like, some things I hear, and I'm just like, oh, I've never run into that. Um, I would say more so do what you've been trained to do. 
I feel like that's as simple. Look, that's as simple as it is. I'm trained in sports medicine, so I'll do sports medicine. Uh, I can go for certifications like uh, I can get my CSCS, I can get my PS, I have my PS, but we have a strength coach. I can get my recommendations, but my job isn't to make a, a, a program. That's your guy's specialty. If I'm like, okay, I can, one thing I can do, I can work with him and be like, hey, um, he may not be ready for that specific exercise. But just being like, okay, no, I need to approve the whole thing. That's not my job. Mm, mm. <laughs> And that's not my plan. That's like me trying to be a coach, and I'm I'm not I'm not a coach. It's like a coach trying to be like, hey, yeah, you don't need to stretch. He's not the athletic trainer. Stick to your umbrella. You know, we all intertwine and we all like work together. And when all those pieces fit, you have a well-oiled machine. But you need to let what people specialize in be just that. And I I don't believe in overstepping my bounds and uh and trying to do other people's job. You know, I get paid to do my job and be the athletic trainer for men's soccer at FIU. I'm not trained <laughs> to be the strength and conditioning coach for FIU. We have a strength and conditioning coach. Yep. It's good. Like, and we work together well. And he's like, hey, like, even when he did testing on one of my injured guys the other day, he was like, hey, okay, I know his knee is injured. That's when I have him do the Nord board. Do you recommend him doing it today or at the end of the week? I was like, well, um, he's running Tuesday and Thursday. He may run into risk of being sore because he's coming back from injury. I'd rather have him do it today where he's feeling the best. It's the beginning of the week. Have him do it. He's like, okay, perfect. Just wanted to clear with you first. And that's how you work together. No, for sure. That's the biggest communication is the small communications that you have on a regular yes. basis. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. I agree. You know, and it's funny because I remember like, you know, patellar tendonitis is a big deal with basketball, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a little bit of a warm up that I'll do or some certain things and uh, like ISOs, you know, I mean, backwards sled drags, nothing special whatsoever, you know, what typ- people typically do. But I remember one time mm-hmm. with one specific player, I tried to add in some extra exercises. And then he was like, he's like, no, no, no I already did this with our athletic trainer this morning. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I probably should slow my yeah. roll a little bit. Yeah. Because if you did it, and then the athletic trainer did it, then you're just doubling down on things and you're stressing the joint more than needs to be stressed and you're actually just causing more harm, you know? Um, and that's a simple phone call, that simple text, like, hey, can he do this? Can he do that? Um, what are you doing in lift today? Uh, you know, take this out for this guy because I can't. he can't do it, you know? But do the job that pays you. For sure. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> do the job that pays you. I like that. And so, I mean, you know, I do want to give you the floor here. You know, I think this is a big um, opportunity, like I said, for strength coaches kind of just get the, into the minds of athletic trainers. Uh, you know, as we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to say or anything that you would kind of uh, want to address strength coaches to or say? Um, No, just say that we appreciate you guys, really. Um, especially now, I think in this particular circumstance where I'm working so closely with mine for one particular person, um, seeing that the work that goes into it, uh, the technology that you guys use, uh, the education that you have to get, um, I feel like, uh, what am I trying to say? (laughs) I blanked a little bit. Uh, just, I would say just be open. And I try to be open as well uh, to just the profession changing. And I feel like that's where we run into, especially like new professionals like you and me, because I think we tend to be considered new 
I would say in for a sure. Sense. Yeah. How long have you been professional? Like five, six years? It's six at this point, you know, so yeah, new. I would say new. <laughs> but, like, I think the biggest fight in athletic training, I think it may be similar in, uh, in your world as well, is the new school fighting the old school way. And being like, hey, there's so much things that have changed. Or there's many things, or there's many ways to go about things. And then you have, you know, maybe your head that's been working for 25, 30 years. He's like, no, we're doing it this way. And that's how it's always been done. Like I said, like sports medicine, sports performance, and sports performance is forever changing. So if you cannot evolve with the times, then you will fail. Absolutely. And what I like to talk about, too, the field is so young. Comparative, you know, to I mean, the length of other professions, and if you look at how long coaches have been around versus strength coaches and athletic trainers, I mean, you know, our field is really still in its infancy. So of course you need to continue to grow, and of course you need to continue to improve. Like even even us, I think the biggest fight in athletic training now, like I said, is the value. Um, you could tell an athletic trainer till you're blue in the face, oh yeah, we appreciate you, uh, we love you, you do a great job. But if you do, you know, you'll pay me what I'm worth. Mm. You'll pay me what I'm worth. That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. I mean. I was like, yeah, people are not doing it for a T-shirt anymore. We're not just giving out bottles, you know. So if I'm coming out of school or even now where they have doctorate in athletic training, and you want me to get a DAT, but you're only offering me a $50,000 job that's slapping the face, I'm a doctor. Um, and if you take a job like that and it's that low, you're disrespecting yourself. Mm. I think that's an extremely fair point. I mean, seriously, you know, and, and I feel like strength coaches' salaries have caught up a little bit. You know, if we talk about yes. the highest football salaries, highest basketball salaries, you know, compared to athletic training salaries, it's, it's a pretty stark difference sometimes. It is. And also, I feel like the reason why we're stuck in it is because you'll always find somebody that's always have to take that job but now it's getting harder and harder to hire collegiate athletic trainers mm. no absolutely it, and strength coaches like, too some people can't you know, they can't live off this twenty thousand per year part-time deal that a lot of times yeah, are offering. because inflation inflation is high like who's paying like is there anywhere you can live like i can't live anywhere in miami with 20k a year absolutely not like come on like come on mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense um, but also, like, it's not even these companies' fault sometimes. It's us. Um, it's us accepting that for ourselves. So once we stop accepting it, I think that's when people are kind of seeing, like, okay, then we're, we're forced to pay these people more. That's why, like, I understand people going for doctorate athletic training, but I have, like, FIU, I came here as a grad student. Uh, I was getting my master's. But uh, I'm not opposed to the DAT, but would I get it personally? No. Um, I think more so your experience, um, the way you carry yourself professionally is more valuable than a piece of paper, you know? Because mm. I've met people with the biggest degree in all these certifications, but they don't know how to talk to a coach. They don't know how to talk to an athlete. Uh, your athletes don't trust you. Uh, you don't know how to make a rehab plan, but you have all these degrees, yeah, all these certifications, you know? So I think the experience for me is more valuable than uh, going to school, spending thousands of dollars for um, 
for a piece of paper. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. I mean, and I hope I don't get anybody upset. And if I do, tough. But <laughs> um, yeah. That's why I wanted to have so you, you on me. because I knew you were going to be honest. I knew you weren't going to give me yeah. some cupcake answer to things. No. Yeah, no. I, uh, even that, even I, even that response was BS. If someone's upset about it, I, I don't care. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, like the experience is more. I'd rather, uh, yeah, I'd rather go and get the experience than going to school. I feel like, like even, and I know people are opposed to it. Like internships, I feel like internships are the best thing. If you want it bad enough, yes, you'll have to do an internship at one point where you may not make money. Oh yeah, but those are probably like the biggest internships in my career that helped me out the most. Where I kind of just learned, you know, yeah, I wasn't getting money out of it, but now being five, six years in, the experience and the knowledge is invaluable, you know. Absolutely, and it's worth more money I earned. I couldn't agree more. You know, and that's where I learned everything was my internships, and it was by making mistakes, by implementing things, finding out that they don't work. And then those ones stick with you way more than something I've read in a book. Yeah. And having the right mentors for you. Like for me, I felt like the best mentors I have have been very honest with me. Um, they didn't care about being nice. Like, yeah, they were, I wouldn't say they were nice to me, but it was just like, Hey, no, you, you know, you have up here, uh, do it again. Like I remember when I was at temple football and, like one of my best mentors, uh, he's at the Commanders now, uh, Masahiro Takahagi, and I talk about him all the time. And that man was hard on me. But in terms of, you know, being anal with everything, having every detail down the way I am as a professional today, I would not be the same person if it wasn't for him, if I wasn't for, who else, Vic Swanky, uh, Al, Al Bellamy, uh, Zach White, like, those guys taught me a lot and they were honest with me and they'd be like, Hey, okay, no, that's wrong. Do it again. Why is it wrong? Do you understand why you're wrong? And then he care about my feelings because, but now I understand they want to be better. Exactly. Well, they, they may not have cared about the feelings of the moment, but they've cared about you as an individual. Yes. And then I thought, I was like, Oh, okay. These guys hate me, but it's not even hate. It's like, they're like, no, if we hated you. We wouldn't try to teach you so much. If we didn't care, we'd just let you do whatever you want and be like, okay, see you later. I, I love that one. That's the, you know, you're in trouble when you're not getting coached anymore. Yeah. Cause it's just like, come on, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to be better, yeah, you should respect the people that you're working with, but also like they should be able to have a tough conversation with you when you're, uh, when your work is subpar. Absolutely. Because you want to be held to a certain standard. If you want to be, get better, yes. then you got to get better. And it's not going to happen by people yes. feeding you compliments. No, <laughs> as you know, as I know, as, well, so. as you know, as well. <laughs> so trust me, it's been, it's been a road, but now seeing where I've landed and where I have to go, like, I don't know what the next step is after this, but you know, I'm, I'm enjoying my time here. Uh, I'm blessed to be part of a really good program. Uh, and I hope anybody listening to this will, will watch FIU Men's Soccer take it in the fall. Man, I'm hoping so too, because I love that picture of you getting put up by the whole team. I want, I want one with you <laughs> holding the national championship trophy. That's what I want. Let's hope. I, it's coming this okay. year. It's coming this I love year. it. I love it. My goodness. Mark my words. <laughs> <laughs> well, Najib, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for giving us a different perspective and uh, really allowing us to pick your brain and getting philosophical with a lot of things. I really appreciate your openness, and I know the listeners will too. 
Okay, I'm happy. Like I'm happy. I'm blessed to be here. I'm happy you had me. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's an honor to be asked to be here. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, it's an honor to have you on. So thank you so much. Of course, anytime. All right. Yeah.